Hey guys, what's going on? It's Brennan Sweeney from the Coach's Cradle podcast. Today we have a awesome guest. We have Joe Pearson from Strength Feed out in Raleigh. He's been out at Raleigh for a couple years now. He used to work over at Prolific Sports Performance. He's a former college football player, former Arena League football player. He runs a great business out in Raleigh. Today we talk about pretty much everything under the sun. We've got some in-season training information. We've got some information about developing culture in the weight room. And then we also talk about how to be flexible when it comes to owning a business and how you can be flexible even running some of your sessions. So there's a lot of great information in this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Again, a, a shout out to Joe Pearson and the Strength Feed Trainers. Had a great time going out to Raleigh and meeting a bunch of their guys. They definitely have some top-notch trainers out there, some top-notch strength coaches. Uh, they've definitely got a cool place. Go ahead and check it out if you're in that area and enjoy the show. He, he, Anthony Caldeets is gold. Like, if you just sit down and talk to that guy, like, he knows the shit. He's been doing it on his kids for 20-something years. Like, yeah, that's what I find crazy is that, for the most part, I would <clears> never <throat> take, like, a, well, my athlete does it, so this is why it works. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, like, where's some research about that? But because it's Caldeets, I'm like, yeah, I believe you. Yeah, I believe for you. sure. So I got, I got, I got 20 two. years of failures. Yeah, the safety bar split squats, 750 pounds. I'm like, I believe you, too. Yeah. Like, it's a hockey player. Like, yeah. I believe you. He's got girls hockey players doing, like, 405. Block, I, I had my guy's heart rates drop to, like, 40. Yeah. It's like, eh, yeah, I believe you. I get it. I'll just, I'll just take that for, for what it is. Right. All right, Joe, to start it off, what would you say – how would you summarize your background? You've got a lot of different background when it comes to strength sports or just competitive competition. So what would you say your background is getting into performance and then how did that open up to so many different opportunities? So background stuff, you know, coming up playing college football and, you know, being in the weight room, I never really was the most gifted athletically, but I saw the strides in the weight room equivalent to things on the field. So I got in with my, so after I transferred public from private to public school, I actually had a coach that new people and new strength coaches and he sent me out with Virginia Tech's like off-season weight workout program and I loved it I had cleans I you know it was pretty much standard like linear periodization and so I just kept asking like what what's more so I mean my books for Christmas when I was that age were like weightlifting for dummies for football and like you know anatomy books that my dad would get and that kind of what sparked my interest and then luckily through all my playing careers when I had a real strength coach, I, I was lucky enough to say like, why, like, why are we doing this? Why are we, why don't we deadlift? Why are we doing only RDLs? Why do we, you know, why, why, why? And all of them were very, very understanding. And it wasn't me questioning what we were doing. It was just me wanting to know more. And they answered those questions for me. And so when I actually started figuring out what I was going to do for degree stuff, I, I started in athletic training. Cause I was like, this is the way to stay on the field. And then I like took emergency preparedness class and was like, this is disgusting. I can't deal with injuries. So I shifted focus and ended up landing on strength and conditioning. Um, figured that was my, my best way to get to stay on the field for as long as possible, even after my playing days were over. Since then, it, you know, I got lucky, got, got a chance to work with a, a lot of good coaches at Prolific, which is where I started 
started my strength and conditioning career as I was finishing my playing career. And, uh, you know, it, it was was done well because they let me take classes and learn while I was playing. And then when I was done playing, I was able to kind of flow right into coaching, uh, which made it just really, really easy for my transition and learning from a lot of those good coaches and training with the NFL guys that I got to train with there taught me a lot about kind of what, what their needs were guys been in the league five, six years versus my needs for the guys probably not getting in the league at the time or, or working hard to get in. So I got to learn a lot from those experiences. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's unique to yourself is we see a lot of strength coaches get in because they they say, oh, I fell in love with the process of practice more than playing. And maybe they're not the best athlete, but they really enjoy the, the process of getting ready. I think you fall into a unique category where you were extremely good. Even at a Division three level, you were having opportunities to maybe go to the league or go to a combine. Do you think that you have any advantage of, of being a really good athlete coming into strength and conditioning versus being a guy who's just really into the process? Uh, I actually feel very honored hearing that. Uh, yeah, I, I think it definitely it, – it taught me a lot. Like, it, you know, I, I did get good. I played a couple years in arena. Um, you know, my measurements were kind of what held me back. I just wasn't the tallest. I wasn't the widest. Uh, but my combine numbers were great. Uh, my workout films were good. My, my game films were good. I mean, I was the guy like dumping guys over the wall and arena and things like that. Um, you know, half a dozen guys I played with played in the NFL and they were like, you know, you're one of the hardest guys I ever went up against. So like, you know, there's a lot of things that go into a good playing, right? Like obviously I had the weight room, I had the strength, I had the speed, I had the, the tenacity. I played angry back in the day. I was, I was a pretty, pretty violent player. And that all those pieces put together to make me a, a better athlete. You know, I, I was just like anybody else. I hated practice. I, you know, like I didn't, you know, I love it now because I don't have it anymore. But, you know, those those were, were all the pieces put together and and it ended up being being somebody decent. But I wasn't like a five star guy, you know, like I would be I would be oppressed and amazed to see one of our five star guys I played with be in the weight room and like learn how to be a servant leader. Uh you just don't see that out of that personality type. And so I think that, you know, my position, the way I played and the way I got to being better than I ever thought was possible is kind of some of the, the qualities that made me turn into a decent coach. Right. And I mean, you talked about being around a bunch of really, really good coaches around your strength coaching career or your early on strength and conditioning career, who are some of those guys that you've been around that have made the biggest impact and what have they really taught you about the, the field that you still carry on to the, maybe that's, just highlight one or two. As you said, there's, there's a list, uh, you know, Chris and Chris and Rodney were probably two of my biggest, I, I got to say it, it really all started with them. Uh, and then my, my strength coach at Guilford, my, my last year playing, um, I, you put them in a trifecta and, and add Blaze on top of that. You know, I've got I've got four guys that I learned a lot on what to do and what not to do. Um, you know, we – Coach Z was the first – like I was always a traditional push-pull, bigger, stronger, faster, old school, like weight program pretty much all through college. And then I get to Guilford my senior year and – Coach Z was like, "Let's we're going three days a week total body," and I was like, "What? Like I'm gonna 
gets smaller and weaker and like, I, you know, this is ridiculous. And he like sat me down and talked to me through his mindset and was like, well, you know, three days a week, I can press you three days a week. You get a day rest in between. I can squat you in some form or fashion three days a week. And, and I ended up putting on like 45 pounds, uh, over the course of about three semesters, uh, going from about 265, 275, like undersized lineman, uh, who had lost a little bit of weight on my, on my gap year coming from Southern Miss, uh, which I played down there at like 285 to, coming in as my senior year at Guilford as a tackle I'm moving from center to tackle I weighed 307 on my weigh-ins and I was like this is you know I was squatting close to 650 uh power cleaning you know 345 um you know and I, I was really really a lot stronger than I ever ever thought I was and you know I, it, it like kind of opened my mind to be like, well, try new things. Like obviously don't do the same thing over and over again. Like I've been on the same, pretty much the same weight program over and over again for years. And so switching it up, I think, you know, kind of shed some light on the fact that like, you know, not doing the same thing over and over again is kind of the, the, the way to go. So, um, and then shift that, you know, I, obviously I put on a lot of weight, did really well with all that stuff. And then, took my talents outside of the weight room after the season was over, had a couple workouts, a couple combines lined up. And that's when I met Chris and Rodney and they, uh, they showed me the speed aspect of things. I got really, really lucky and got to train with five or six NFL guys that, you know, I mean, I think three of two of them now have multiple, a multiple Super Bowls, and, and another guy has another ring. So, I mean, these are guys that were, you know, four, four speed and, you know, four, five, linebacker speed and just insanely fast and i was like a fat white o-lineman <laughs> that just didn't have you know the skills that they could and you know single leg box jump with 48 inches and things like that so i uh so i learned from them and you know if it was a 10-yard race i made sure i wasn't last and if it was a 20-yard race i'd make sure that i wasn't last and you know i used my strength in the weight room to then work my just be really, really good at acceleration, uh, which led into my 40 and that, I, I mean, I ran a 482 at 295 pounds, uh, got clocked at multiple shuttles under a 4.3, um, which is pretty impressive. So, uh, you know, taking that knowledge from those guys and the speed stuff was just really awesome. I, I couldn't even tell you half their backgrounds. I know Chris came from Will Bradley in Greensboro. Um, it came from that tribe, which was really, really good for me. And then I know Rodney did the old school Nike Spark was kind of how it started his and just taking the best of both worlds and, and you know, being able to learn from two guys that are really fast and then see what really fast is. Like it wasn't just a group of offensive linemen that I could be better than, which I usually was speed stuff. I mean, hell, I was running with linebackers in most of our conditioning tests, um, seeing like actual real speed from like real guys that can run super super fast until you until you see 4-4 in person like it's hard to comprehend that kind of speed and so getting to train with those guys is a, a real privilege and uh you know doing that along the way really helped helped me out with uh learning how to coach and and the importance of 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 you know seeing what's important and coaching that first which is what we do now at the strength feed is really really focus on speed and power output and then our weight room stuff is to help that Right. I mean, that's huge. And I think just <clears throat> like you said, just seeing that puts into a whole different perspective of, of how good you can be at your sport. 
I remember at one point I saw this dude run 27 miles an hour on a treadmill or 26 miles. And I mean, that treadmill was going to break. I've never seen it bounce up and down like that. I was like, oh, this is like what real speed looks like. And that was my first time probably experiencing something like that. Uh, moving away from your yeah, every every dad that thinks their kid runs a four four is incorrect. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, you're, you're stopping that stopwatch a little early. I mean, yeah. your kid. Yeah, I mean, parents are parents are a joy. You right. Um, you're a dad, Joe. You're going to be like that in, in 10 <laughs> years, man. Uh, but I mean, moving away from yourself and then into your business, what do you think that you've done? business-wise to make strength feed sustainable and opening up your business on your own what did you learn from on the business side that doesn't get covered on the performance side that you think has made it sustainable <clears throat> excuse me i'm just getting over a cold um, i'll cut that the the biggest thing um there's a couple things so i don't i don't think i did anything special uh I think that I got really lucky early on with, you know, probably around 20 so people that saw what I wanted to do and trust me with the training of either themselves or their, or their children. Um, and, and I think they all just saw the passion. Like they just, they saw that I cared that I wanted these kids to get better and I was going to figure out a way to do it. Even, and I'll be the first one to tell you the first three, four, five years of me doing this, not necessarily just business, but even under other people's names and other businesses, I did things wrong all the time, all the time. And I still do things wrong, I'm sure, but it's going to take me another year or two to figure out what's kind of optimal. Um, so I think the, the passion is what started, uh, started the strength feed culture. And then, you know, when, when a kid knows that you care, they're going to tell their, their experience changes and they will tell all their friends, about that experience and it just grows substantially and exponentially from there um you know we started i started with maybe eight kids in a in a group uh like a three o'clock group three days a week um and that grew from eight to i'd say this this summer we're expecting probably about 50 50 to 60 college kids from division one to division three coming home uh, to train with us. Um, we've got probably some of the best lacrosse players in the, in the Southeast for sure. Um, playing at division one schools all over. Um, you know, our, the newest coach we just hired is trains two of the ESPN top 100 basketball players. Um, you know, Raleigh's a hotbed for hockey, growing lacrosse, basketball. I mean, we've got some of the best teams in the area coming out of here. And luckily our, our kids that we trained early, they're all friends. So, you know, between um, our newest hire, Coach Ian and myself and Coach Ray, and there's not a sport that we don't cover, that we don't train. And, you know, they whether they played AU basketball growing up and now one's a football player and one's staying with basketball, they know each other. And so they, they enjoy the atmosphere and the climate at the strength feed. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing that – you know, that helps you grow. No, no one should ever get in this industry to make a lot of money. No one should ever do it. And there's plenty of old school strength coaches. Like you got to pay your dues and you got, and like, I get that. And like, we all have in different forms or fashion, you know, I wasn't a GA get making dirt money for three years. I kind of went a different route and I got some time in the college ranks there. I was a strength coach at a division three school. 
Uh, I interned at, at another um, school. So, <clears throat> you know, we, we all spent time being the grunt. You know, I haven't taken a steady paycheck in years from the strength feed. So, you know, that's, that's our sacrifice to be able to do what we do. But I mean, I went and watched my three, four volleyball girls last night, win three Oh first round in the playoffs. And like, I mean, my girls were absolutely crushing balls. They, like, they were unreturnable. And like that, that's for me, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of payment. Like that's, yeah, that's in some ways paycheck, that's better than a paycheck. Sure. It really is. Especially when your wife makes a lot of money. So, um, you know, so that, that's, uh, that's the, the thing long-term. Like if you can't find the time to see their games, to talk to their parents, to, to find time outside of the gym, to meet with these kids. I mean, I play summer lacrosse with all of our lacrosse players. I learn from them on the field, just like they learn from me in the weight room. I play basketball. I'll meet kids at other gyms just to work out with them. And I'll have them over for dinner when they're on for, you know, fall breaks and things like that. I take the time to invest in your players and they'll, they'll return that investment threefold to, you know, to, to ends bring, you can't imagine. Friends in yeah, and exactly. Even if it's just like in creating a more enjoyable situation for you to be in it every day, I think that's that's super important. And I mean, what you said is kind of like if you own a facility, you need to be flexible. You can't just – you can specialize yourself, but you need to have coaches that can do other things as well. You can't just hire yourself three times. Exactly. I don't think that would work out. It's if a there's huge just nightmare when you do Three it. or four Joe Pearsons in there, I mean, that's just a – that's just a lot of meat. That's a lot of meat in one factory, man. So yeah, not hiring yourself and having some different people that are just as passionate as you, but about different niches, I think can create a, a definitely a more sustainable environment. Um, if you're thinking about opening up your own place. I, I can I can totally 100% couldn't agree more. My first hire was a great coach, phenomenal coach. Uh, his name was also actually Joe. And we were like, almost identical. We were like the same person and, you know, we believed in the same things. We coached the same way. Like it was, and it worked for a little while. It get us off the ground. It optimized me. Like more people would come in to see Joe. They didn't know which Joe, but <clears throat> they knew they were getting the same thing and it worked for a while, but then it kind of, you, you couldn't appeal to a large client base. And it doesn't matter what anybody says, like you have to be able to train more than just kids, more than just athletes. There's just not any any money there in the off season. Uh, they're they're in, they're out. They're they're two sport athletes. You know they're you know you might see <clears throat> you might see a kid three out of twelve months of the year. I mean we have we had I had the, one of the first kids I ever had. I trained pretty consistently for a while. Uh, is at UVA, and I've probably seen him three times in the past three years, and he, and it's always like outside of the gym. I haven't even like got to train with him. So uh, great kid, like love him to death. And, and he's, we're always his biggest fan, but like, he's just, you know, he's just in that life now. He's just year round basketball. That's what he does. And, you know, <clears throat> there, you have to be able to train adults. You have to be able to train a ton of different people to be successful in this industry. Yeah. You really need to <clears throat> find out what that steady clientele is going to be. And a lot of times that's not, kids who play year-round sports. I mean, we were just talking about off-air, the hockey players that come in and train. I mean, <clears throat> hockey is such a grind that those kids don't want to even look at a weight for a while no. after the season. Um, they're on so, Depending on where they're from, they're on ice year-round too. You know, like it, yeah. They, yeah. They, they train hockey all the time. And, you know, we, like like we were talking about, we, we train those juniors and 
it's a nice contract. We love our Canes organization. We love working with our kids. The coaches we work for are phenomenal. Uh, but, you know, these these kids are going to go home. So we get them during the season, and that's it. Like, I don't even get to – half our kids are foreign. So we don't even get to see them in the off season. And, you know, the question you need to ask yourself if you're getting in this industry, like, what are you, what are you going to do when that off season comes? You know, like, you're not going to see these kids year-round. Yeah, we have a great contract with them, but, like, we have to be able to supplement the off season with something else. I've seen some good stuff on your Instagram about – how to manage training and season for hockey players. I think that's one thing that's that's interesting is that these kids are going under a lot of various stresses during the season and you definitely use a certain amount of unusual methods during the season, whether it be a zercher rather than a, a, a normal hold to keep pressure off the wrists. So what are some unusual training methods that you tend to use that you wish more people <clears throat> use? And we have talked about off air again about Cal Dietz and kind of the stuff that he does. He definitely does some unusual stuff. So just what are some things that you use that you wish more people could use or knew about? Uh, I think, I think the conversation, you know, it, it, it depends on the sport, obviously. I mean, your answer always should be starts with, well, it depends and then be able to elaborate from there. Uh, I mean, those are great examples for the hockey guys. They, their wrists take a huge beating. We actually had a kid, uh, miss a like a, a, a hit at the board um and went right into the board and broke his wrist and his thumb on his opposite hand so like now we have a kid out that we're gonna have to train to get him back in maybe four to six weeks and like figure out a way to train him with no hands like we you know he's full-on cast on one hand and a partial cast on the other hand so like what do you do you know so <clears throat> learning learning those techniques to get them through the season and we got a lot of kids with beat up wrists they get in awkward hits it's definitely different than football um same thing with linemen uh, and football. Like if you're going to end season train your linemen, you know, find wrist saving techniques. We use a lot of fat bars, fat grips. Uh, it can help out with the wrists a lot. Uh, it just disperses pressure evenly more, you know, over a larger surface area over the hands. Um, you know, the biggest thing we see a lot in hockey, hips and shoulders. So like, you know, you know most, most coaches that I, you know, most younger coaches would think like, oh, we, you know, you don't want to deep squat them during the season. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And like, we do a ton of sprint specific drills, not only in the, on the, on the turf, but in the weight room as well, working on, you know, hip flexor strength and stuff like that, because they're not going to see that on ice. They don't ever reach top, top speed in, in a traditional linear fashion because of that, that skate, because they're pushing off. They spend, you know, the ground time is very different and they spend more time in a lateral fashion that kind of pinches down on the on the anterior and, and, and medial portion of that groin. So you see a lot of adductor, a lot of gracilis, um, you know, even a little like, you know, medial and kind of posterior hamstring stuff. Like you'll see a lot of like just aches and pains and general stuff. So we spend a lot of a lot of time in a lateral squat fashion doing things to to lengthen this tissue because they're just going to get beat up. Um, you know, in, in season football guys like you know, we never do like full compound stuff that's going to tax the low back. I, you know, I usually, if we're going to squat, we're going to do front squats. We're going to use chains. We'll trap our deadlift, you know, block pulls. You know, I would never just deadlift a kid. You know, this is more advanced stuff. You know, juniors hockey is a little bit different, but, you know, same with football. If it's a college kid, like we'll direct train his back, but in a single joint fashion. So we'll do back extensions, reverse hyper, single leg back extensions, good mornings with a band um that kind of stuff so you know working working different qualities 
outside of the realm of what they need um, during the season. You know, like shift on the ice is 50 seconds, you know, NHL maybe 45, 50 seconds. Um, juniors can, can be a little bit longer than that, depending on, you know, coaching style. Um, we don't train conditioning for a minute long. Like they, they have it every day at practice. Yeah. You know, they do power play work. They That's do just redundant. Yeah, exactly. So if we're going to condition them, we're going to do long steady state stuff. Um, or, you know, we do a ton of acceleration work just cause it's the opposite end of that. So, um, you know, we, we try to stay away from those redundancies and, and, you know, we wouldn't even get into, you know, sports specific conditioning work until you're, until you're either much older or in a higher level of play, you know, like, and then we'll do it building up. And again, maybe by week we'll hit something like that. So just look at, get a, get a really good job. And this took me years to learn, but get really good at identifying what these kids need. Like look at the injuries from the year before, talk to the coaches, talk, you know, you know, we, we got kids that come in late again. It's a, juniors hockey thing, they'll pick up and sign guys throughout the whole year. I mean, you could bring a guy in for the last month of, of games that just got cut from a tier one program. So, um, you know, that guy, you know, maybe he hasn't been playing. Well, that guy's going to need to be in shape, you know? So now you've got two weeks where this guy's got to, you know, you got two weeks, you better get him in shape because he's got to play in the showcase in Boston then, you know? So um, get a really good feel and idea of, of, of how to, how to treat your team and how to how to train them um, from looking at movement patterns and understanding the sport. I didn't know I didn't know crap about hockey five years ago. I didn't know you know I didn't understand the game. And I took a big hockey fan who's one of my mentors, Aaron Brown, who should definitely be on that list. It just wasn't early on in my career. Um, and I made him watch a Islanders Canes game with me four or five years ago, five or six years ago. And I was like, what's that? What's that? Why are they doing that? What's that penalty? What was that call? And I was like, just show me the game. Because all sports, in, in essence, is the same thing. Like, girls lacrosse looks a lot like basketball. You know, believe it or not, like the movements around the net, the alley-oops, the pick and rolls, like because of the lack of contact, it it looks a lot more like basketball. Hockey, the, the movement around the net can be related a lot to basketball. So, you know, hockey conditioning – it's similar to that of lacrosse conditioning when it comes to midfielders, you know, like learn, learn the, 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 the things that are similar between the sports and it helps you understand the sports a lot more. Right. Getting, getting good knowledge of those energy systems, like you were talking about is huge. And if they're predominantly using one energy system, that's probably not what you should be focusing on in the gym because they're getting enough of that already. And I think that's the one thing that you're saying is that to be sport specific, you don't need that training to to look like the sport because they get enough of that already. Your guys, your hockey players are not coming in to expect a one-legged training on a BOSU ball with a five-pound plate on the ground and a PVC pipe through it as they stick handle, no. right? That's just – that would just be silly. But I've seen that before, and it's mind-numbing. But, yeah, you know, get away from the things that they're seeing every day and build up the weaknesses that they have. Uh, throughout the season even i mean they need they need basics like you've got to squat them how are you going to squat them i'm you know that can be sports specific right yeah exactly like you you gobble squats great like use it you know when you want to get into some more fancy things like we do we don't plank we do like big heavy front rack holds with like band marches to work that anterior portion of the hip like they never see the in hockey you hardly ever see that 
like I said, they're not right. Or even doing like a side plank with a foot elevated onto a bench or something to train that the adductor. Ton, yeah. Tons of isometric work for the groin because it just gets torn up during the hockey season. Yeah, those are those are the things that like if you want to if you want to get out of the bubble and you want to play with some things like that's the way to do it. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, the the best strength coaches in the world are are testers of their own methods, and so <clears throat> don't don't be silly. Or don't think it's silly to try these things out. I mean, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But that's the only way you're going to find out is through you trying that on your own. Exactly. Try it on yourself too. You know, that's one of the biggest things. Like I, I, when I program for my lacrosse kids over the summer and I'm playing with them in men's league, like I do their program and I cut volume and I cut intensity for myself because I'm 10 years older than half of them. But, um, you know, I, I go through it myself to see, you know, if I play with them, box with them on Monday nights and I have to train Tuesday, like I got to see how that's going to feel. And like for me, I'm wrecked. I can't walk. But like for them, like what's going to hurt? Well, their feet are going to hurt. Their knees are going to hurt because, you know, playing box is a different different animal. And they're probably really beat up because you can't really run away from hits and guys are a little bit more aggressive in box. Yeah. And I mean, even moving moving on from just all the training, I think the one thing that we've talked about today is the atmosphere in the gym and how you treat your players. And then that all comes down to what people would consider the culture. How do you, how have you built up the culture at strength feed? I mean, how would you even describe what the culture is? I, the, the gym itself is, is a very good atmosphere to be. in. I would say, I think if I was a high school athlete, I would, I would more than likely train at your gym. I think it's a, it's a cool looking place with a lot of different toys and tools. Um, but then culture a lot of times comes from the people that, that work here. So how do you even reflect that culture upon your athletes during a normal training session? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. Like, I wish, I wish I could say like, if I knew, if I knew exactly how we did it, I would do it again. And like, you know, we, we'd be set up franchises and things like that. And it, I just, it doesn't work because it's, it's so authentic to, to myself and the coaches and the, the gym we're in uh, currently and the way we've set it up and things like that. I think that's a lot how culture is built. Um, but, you know, it kind of goes back to that question earlier. Like, you know, you let the kids set up the culture, you know, like draw hard lines on, you know, up to 10 rules, maybe, you know, clean up your weights, don't throw chalk everywhere, you know, don't peel over the seat, you know, like things that you're going to have to remind kids anyway, you know, don't eat food on the turf. Like, set up six or seven really good rules and stick to them no matter what. Like if a kid leaves his weight out and he's got to run a 400, like stick to it. And then, then let the culture kind of build itself. Um, you know, you'll get really good kids. Like you'll have, you'll have two different kids that'll come in. You'll have the four stars that like figured it out that training is going to make them better. Or maybe their coach told them they need to train or whatever it may be. And that's going to get a lot of one star kids in there. But those one-star kids are going to work so hard, and they're going to push that four-star kid. So finding finding a way to like to merge all that together and make make it a fun place for everybody to be in. Like the kids, the kids have a group message outside of the gym. The kids Snapchat each other outside of the gym. Like they're all friends, and they're you know half of them knew each other from middle school. The other half like they don't they don't know them. So they they build this 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 friend group outside of the gym. And honestly, that's that's one of the biggest things that has helped culture is like, well, I'll get a text message from one of our random kids that saw another one of our random kids at 
you know, the University of Chapel Hill together. And like neither one of them go to school there and they just happen to be hanging out. So that's that's the coolest thing that I that I see every day. And then the biggest thing is the coaches, you know, like I I've got I've got three really, really, really awesome coaches right now. I mean, and I would argue and put them up against any three other coaches anywhere in the industry. Uh, you know, they're all former athletes. They're all have a good background. They understand sports. They understand what's required. I've got a you know former Mount Olive soccer player. She's training to be an amateur boxer now. She trains just as hard as any of the kids. So like when she, you know, what she says goes and the kids don't question her because they know that she, she trains just as hard. I've got a nutrition coach that does all of our Instagram photography, just phenomenal work. And she like sits and hangs out with the kids and talks to them about nutrition. She's also a nutrition coach and like just gets to come into work and hang out with kids every day and hang out with the adults. And she's a really personable person. And so the kids love talking to her and they love talking shit to her and she'll talk shit. She's also a power lifter and stronger than half the kids we have training. Um, so they, you know, they, they love that atmosphere. Um, Coach Ian's our newest hire, and I've been hearing about him for years, and I just never thought it would be possible to pull him over. And finally, I, we found the right opportunity, and we shared a kid who was, you know, long story short, like I worked for a strength coach that ended up training a kid and passing that kid off, and Ian had him, and he's at Boston College now doing great and has had two awesome strength coaches that he's gotten to train under between Ian and Brad. And, and, and now, like – I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, it's in one job. Like we need another coach. Like we're and and it worked out that we met up and now Ian's with us. And you know, those, that's the kind of, you know, one of, one of the kids that I trained even for the smallest amount of time knew that I was friends with two of his other strength coaches and was able to recommend his private training coach to me. And now we're, you know, now we're above everybody else, you know, like that, that's that's what culture is like that's that's that kid standing up for the kind of person I am and the kind of training we do so that I can be able to hire another coach like that's awesome you know if you sit down and kind of think about how that happens yeah and I mean what you were talking about earlier is letting the athletes decide what that culture is for the session I think that's super important and we've talked about being being flexible is that the way that you need to handle a let's just say a middle school girls volleyball team or middle school girls basketball team has to be completely different than if you're doing like combine prep for NFL athletes. If you're trying to be a, a hard ass to those middle school girls, I think you're going to get a lot of emails from dads being like, why are you making my girl cry when she comes home? <laughs> and so I think as long as you keep that flexibility of culture, somewhat of a staple as well, where you're just letting your athletes kind of run the session, like sit back and just check out the the way that the athletes are interacting with each other. If they're having fun, then, then don't, don't start to hand out, don't start to hand out like hundred yard repeats or something like that, man. They're, they're in a good mood. Let's, let's continue that on for the day. Like you're not in this for a power struggle. It's, you know, like you said it perfectly. My, we have, so we train those juniors. We have a elite and premier team. The elite teams are a little younger. It's like usually our feeder team to, to go to premier the next year. And, you know, there's 15, 16, 17 year old kids, a couple kids that, you know, probably play a premier next year, 18. So it's a younger group of kids. And like, you got to lay down the law because they'll just, they'll screw around the whole session if you let them. And, you know, they can talk and they're going to have fun, but like, if they don't listen, like they're going to be punished. Like, you know, that, 
that is totally different than like the way Coach Ray trains her Broughton basketball team, which is full of girls from uh, all different cultures and things like that. And it's, you know, it's it's a different voice. It's a different tone. It's a different, you know, we have a 13U hockey team that trains uh, in the gym and the same thing. They're just, they're like little boys. They're just running around, la, la, la. They don't know what they're doing. And, you know, you have to pull them in, get focused for 30 seconds and make sure they're listening and then just let them go. And then go around and like do your job and coach and don't just sit in a corner on your phone. You know, that that's what creates the culture. And, I, you know, I I can tell you personally that I've had multiple dads come in and compare us to other gyms in the area. And they're like, you know, they do team training just like us. And they're like, we hate it. Like we hate it over there at so-and-so place. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? You know, like part of me like wants to hear him kind of talk shit. And then the other part of me is like, well, you know, what, what are we doing differently? Like, what, can, what can we do more of to make it differently and better? And, and they're just like, Oh, the kids have no much, they have no fun or our coaches are dry and we can't hear them half the time. And you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, coach Ray's five foot two, 125 pounds. And yet every time she speaks, the kids know exactly what she's saying. You know, like it just takes a different voice for her. You know, when she talks to the girls, and her girls group, it's much calmer, like, because they're, they're really intently listening. When she's training a group of 13 year old boys, she screams because she has to, but like, they're also listening. So it's, it, you know, you're, you know, we kind of got away from culture a little bit, but this, this culture is, is making, you know, the things we've done and the coaches we have is, you know, you put us next to, you know, Jim A over here, you know, we're, we're far better and, and we're getting that feedback from, from parents and, and athletes. Yeah. I mean, that's, one thing that I think is really cool as a strength coach is hearing some of that feedback because in the back of your mind, I think every strength coach knows that at, at some point plans are comparable. Like you always want to set yourself apart and be unique, but at the same point, if it's a, if it's a new lifter, they're almost going to be getting the same amount of stuff from your super advanced periodized plan or whatever versus like a one by 20. But just the fact that, people enjoy yours better Present it better it's it's very heartwarming to hear oh well they, i guess they just like me more it's kind of like being the coolest kid in school you could not you could put up for prom king or whatever you're like oh that's nice what and that wasn't me but <laughs> what's what's great is like i could get you in the gym and show you two different programs and you're gonna be like i want to do that one because you know better you know you send somebody to a restaurant they can tell whether the food is bad or not because they taste it someone off the street has no idea whether my program's better, you know, I, I shop at one by 20 to all my kids. It's boring. It's easy. It gets a lot out of them. It's one of the best things to do for youth athletes. You know, someone might be doing a, you know, push pull program that looks really cool on paper and they're trying to sell it to dad, but like dad, dad's going to take his kid to the place that he has more fun at. So that, you know, that's, and that's what it comes down to. You know, a lot of these parents, they don't know what good and what bad is. And that, I think that's a huge conversation for another time about regulation of the industry and things like that but you know if you can show this kid that he's going to have a fun time here your program doesn't have to be that good like you have to be able to test them and show them they got better and make them have fun every day and you do those three things and do it well and like you're nice to the parents they'll hand you a blank check yeah no doubt um and then we've talked about how many coaches you have that can train multiple sports and then talking about the different training styles that you would implement for the sports. What are the things that you do 
all the time for the different sports that you coach? What are the overarching principles that you need to hit on every on every sport? Because we've already talked about the differences when it comes to training different sports. That's a good question. Um, we hit our RPR with every group, of course. Like we're both of us are big Cadiz fans, so we start every group with RPR, even if it's just our three sight and our breathing techniques. Um, no matter the group, we all have a, a general GPP dynamic warm up, and and you'll see a lot of the same, a lot of the same things between the three coaches, but you know the variety of the coaching kind of shifts the, the the change of the of the warm up. Um, I'm trying. That's it. That, that would. I mean, it seems like you squat your athletes oh, for yeah. the most Exercise part. Exercise wise, yeah, we we squat them, we clean them, we jump them. Uh, you know, you wouldn't see anything different. A lot of a lot of thing we take upon ourselves is that we we have to prepare these kids for what they're going to see in college. The majority of our our high school kids that are going to play are either going to play in college or play club in college. They're all going to play a sport at the next level, and you know some of the best compliments we've had is like, uh, you know, the strength coach at Presbyterian, he saw Worth come in one day who was one of our kids. And he was like, Oh, you know, you know, he was like, you got GHR and you know what that is. And he's like, yeah, we do it all the time in the summer. And the strength coach is like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, Worth's like, yeah, we got a Franken hyper back at the gym. And you know, like my athletes telling his college strength coach, like all the things he does and like the strength coach gets pumped up and that's, that's awesome. So part of your job is preparing the kids. So we try to stay, you know, very, very mixed with our training. So they see a lot of different movement patterns. And, you know, I, I challenge any of the, any of the schools that we send our kids to that, that I, I guarantee they're seeing most of everything on that card that they'll get, which I think is a good thing. It, it sends our kids in so that the strength coach at college has less work that he has to do, you know? Yeah. And that's the one good thing I think about the one by 20 system, not to just throw that out randomly. I'm a big proponent of that as well is that you do get to pick out such a variety of movements. And then at, throughout their one by 20, it progresses, it advances it. And so when they get up to that higher level or you can throw out any certain exercise at them, you can just say, oh, it's like this, or the only difference between this one and this one is this. Yeah. Um, and then they have a better understanding of, of what that is. We have one kid who's the cap seven, three point leader, two years in a row. Uh, 4.0 GPA, just transferred to Ravenscroft. Great kid. I've been training him since he was 13, 14, almost five, five and plus years now. I think the first two, maybe even three years of the gym, he did one by 20. Like that. And like now he's a phenomenal athlete. He'll go D1 somewhere, who knows where, but he's got two more years. But, you know, like he has a mixed training now, three days a week, four days a week, depending on where he is in the season. Big AU basketball kid. So I see him, you know, maybe six months of the year. Um, but you know we're we're able to give him a lot of different things now because he had such a wide wide base of things and we and we use the one by twenty we do the same progressions with our strength stuff as our power and and uh, med ball stuff so we'll do a lot of med ball things and progress it the same way we're like maybe you know they're not adding weight each time they're working on speed they're working on intent they're working on impulse like you know we 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 coach those <clears throat> three things up so as we block our one by twenty and you know zero block one block two block um. We'll, we'll adjust the programs to where they'll start with med ball work. They'll start with slower med ball work and speed it up. And then we add plyometrics in the card. So not only in the session, they're getting the first 30 minutes of their session is going to be GPP work. 
we throw it in the programming as well too to kind of set some things that we feel important that they need to hit again. Right. I mean, what you're referring to is just a really good quality is just that extensive to intensive. And you can, you can carry that over no matter what you're hitting. If you're starting up bounds with a certain groove, you can always go for distance rather than intensity. Um, if you, if you throw out 20 yards of bounding, that, that has to be very intense. But if you give them a, a bigger gap to play with, I think they're going to self-regulate in their head. You know, this isn't going to last if I'm, if I'm going all out. So that needs to kind of kick down a little bit. Um, that's a really good way to, to progress your athletes through your programs and hitting all the different qualities that you want to hit for sure. Um, well, that's all we got, Joe. This has been super, super insightful, super interesting when it comes to your background and stuff. Uh, what are the contacts you'd like to throw out? Follow us. Our Instagram page is the best. Coach Jess does, uh, she does all of our social media stuff. So our stories are always fun. Uh, a lot of good posts, a lot of informative stuff good infographics yeah she does a lot of good info stuff we got a like holiday series coming out next that she'll uh she'll post like snack stuff and and things like that and good good healthy eating tips over the holidays so you know we we like just like our training we keep our social media very diverse uh features adults kids you know you want to find the reason behind some things we do you know we just did a squat tober series to follow sorenex and so we did friday posts on different styles of squatting and when we use different ones, different places and things like that. So a lot of information on there. You can always ask questions. All, all the coaches have access to that Instagram. So whoever gets on there first usually answers. Um, email's easy, coach at the strengthfeed.com. Um, we've kind of fallen off our LinkedIn or our Facebook. It's just Instagram's kind of the place to be right now. So uh, you know, find us on those places. And uh, if you have any questions, just hit us up on the email. Right, yeah. If you're in the Raleigh area, Strength Feed is located – on what road? Raleigh Boulevard. We're right Raleigh near the Boulevard. Ice Parks, so. Yeah. So if you're around the area and if you need some good training, like Joe said multiple times, you know, he's got a diff- bunch of variety of different coaches that can hit any qualities you need. So definitely check out Joe on Instagram and check out Strength Feed uh, on, Raleigh, on Raleigh Boulevard. Um, get after him if you need anything and enjoyed it, Joe. Appreciate it, man. Thanks of for having me on. Love you guys.